0: Hello, welcome to uh, Permission Ministries. This is Michael Hubbard with my friend Gary Goodell, and uh, we love talking about Jesus. We love talking about uh, his church, his mission, because it's just fun, It's and we're passionate about it, and you're probably listening because you're the same way. You're interested, you're curious, and hopefully we're talking about some things that's going to help you personally and corporately with your family, your church, your friends, Um uh, so we've got some topics today. I want to look at is uh, we've been covering our values for from Permission Ministries here, and uh, values make you who you are. You're the why you do what you do, and those values get lived out in practicality, the things you do and how you do things. You know if you're if you have a high regard for worship in your church, you're probably spending you know 40, 50 minutes, and it's not abnormal to do that. If you're high teaching. You know, you're getting a lot of time in the sermon. Mm-hmm. Both great values. You know, a lot of it depends on your personality or gifting, but values are important. So we're looking at the values of, of our of our ministry here. And right now, I want to cover permission and empowerment. You know, Gary, I just feel like I just want to read our, our, our statement and just let you comment. How does okay. that sound? Okay. Kind of- so we believe everybody gets to play. As all believers are gifted and called to participate in kingdom activity, it's important to value, honor, cultivate, and celebrate everybody's dream calling, and unique giftedness. This means we give lots of freedom to explore and color outside the lines. Experimentation is important. Risk-taking is encouraged. Mistakes aren't seen as failures, but applauded as learning opportunities. If necessity is the mother of invention, then the needs of humanity are opportunities for Christians to step in with compassionate hearts and creative solutions. Permission granted gives believers lots of freedom and flexibility to step out with their dreams and ideas to discover effective and joyful ways to serve in the kingdom. Now, Gary, time I mentioned those kind of thoughts. People look at and you go, I want to go to a church like that. Yeah, Talk about it.
1: Well, I guess, guys, it's, it's really at the end of the day, taking the discipleship mandate seriously. How are you making disciples? It didn't say how are you seeing the disciples or how many of you have a volunteer crowd that you can get five of them. It's it's who you're walking with and maybe it's the remember that that kind that whole Chinese proverb of leadership. If you think you're a leader and no one's following you're merely taking a walk. Okay. So the reality for me was preaching on my Sunday meetings and coming alongside a couple guys and spending time with them. But then I hit, a, I hit a wall. I could not honestly say I was mobilizing and em, empowering the whole congregation, the whole group, because I was being so selective. Well, the goal of multiplication is a transformed community, not a Spirit-filled church. Hmm. We have Spirit-filled churches. We all have the same Holy Spirit. And we're all gifted and called but creating opportunities, experimental opportunities, to do ministry. And um, I remember um, gathering with a group of guys in one of those little preaching groups and uh, having them study the same passage I was going to teach on, the series that we're in, and then I began to call on them in the meeting. And I went as far as calling one guy up and introducing him because he was going to speak that day.
0: You're talking about when you would gather guys for a weekly meeting and you would discuss your upcoming sermon exactly. and draw ideas, and, exactly. then, and then you'd surprise them, have them come up and speak themselves? Yeah, and
1: and but and I often referred to them by calling on them in the meeting to give their bit, their piece, their part, but to, to be able to say, come on, come up here. And they thought they were just going to give their piece, and I'd go sit in, my, <laughs> in the front row next to Jane, and they realized, uh-oh, I'm on. Um, or they 'd get rolling and some they, they'd well know, like you pick know. and they 'd be off and running i mean here 's the gear's the great issue, guys. the fear that they would do it better than you, mm. the fear that they would exceed you, the fear that they would the people would like them more than they do you, right. so that 's the wall we 're going to hit. Is your life about your personal fulfillment only right? Or is it your life about equipping, empowering others?
0: Well, you're talking about, and I'm really glad this has happened over the last few years. I've seen this said over and over. Is Ephesians four the purpose of fivefold leadership, however you want to call those 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 those, those names, is is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Exactly. And uh, I realized that part of my goal was um, as a leader that. I saw that always had a, a, a tendency to do that, but I also began to see where there were ways where I was holding that back because I, I like preaching, I like leading worship, and I realized I was cutting off opportunities from other people. And my role, and maybe this is when we get older, we're more comfortable in our own skin. Yeah, we're not threatened. We get more joy. You know, we have our own sons that we're happy that they're doing things, and you know, maybe, maybe we could still throw the ball like we used to. Or yeah, yeah. But you know, those days are done. But we're we're satisfied to sit back and watch. And I think it comes with age where we get more settled in our own skin, and we really delight in watching other people, you know, take that microphone, sing that song, preach that sermon, or uh, what I really love is to see people come tell me, says, man, I just started this ministry out of my house, I'm reaching my neighbors, you know, outside the four walls, right. where the people are, are being released to do what they have passion for, and it's the multifaceted expression of the Lord through the church.
1: If I understand who I am at the end of the day, I love the fact I got a phone call a few few years ago and said, Gary, I just wanted to call you and thank you for um, enabling me, empowering me. And he told me the story of what they're doing all over the world kind of thing. It was very exciting. So we're back to this issue of the equipping, the empowerment. See, I believe the gifts... Clusters in the New Testament lead us somewhere. I believe the Romans 12 gifts are called motivational gifts or personality gifts. Uh, I believe you have one of those, a dominant one. You may have a mixture, you know, a gift mix, but you have a dominant one. When we get to First Corinthians 12, I like what Wimber used to say. He said, I don't have any of those nine, but I have the Holy Spirit and he has all of them. <laughs> so that those gifts are situational. They flow through you in the moment to exercise healing, word, yeah. wisdom, knowledge, whatever. And then when we get to the fivefold, as you mentioned, Mike, that these are equipping gifts, empowering gifts. And I love the idea that you don't know which one of the gifts you've necessarily been around until you realize how much they influenced you in a certain way. Yeah. Somebody said that you don't know whether you've been around an apostle, a prophet, evangelist teacher pastor until three days after they've left town right, right. and then you realize that you're prophesying more yeah. in the local coffee shop you're seeing more you're you can't get your heart turned away from bleeding for souls and the lost
0: I remember a British friend Graham would say that he says my role is not to prophesy to everybody my role is when I leave everybody hears God better yeah I thought that capsulated so much the role of a leader that it's not about us; it's about what we are able to release to people and encourage them to be something. you talk a little bit about. Um, I know a big person, a big uh, influence on uh, our generation, was John Wimber. Yes, John shifted the culture of Christianity, um, and for several several ways. But the, one of the main ones I remember too was his um, equipping of saints, and everybody gets to play. Everybody you know, gets to play. He was famous for that. For you know, for those of you who don't know John or weren't familiar with him, and John had a healing anointing and he would call someone out in a crowd, he'd have a word of knowledge. And instead of doing the big you know, the big healing evangelist thing, pull the person up, and make it a big dramatic thing, he'd simply say, You next to that person, mm-hmm. put your hand on them. I mean that was so empowering. And literally today there are millions of people doing exactly that, mm-hmm. laying hands. And I would I would point back to many of those people you talk to, oh I I I took John's class or right, right. someone did a training of, out of the vineyard that it released the saints. So what was his impact on you? Because I know you had some connection with him.
1: Well, yeah, you know, in, uh, in the latter years of my transformation into a different kind of a leader, I met John Wimber and I bl- believed in his values. And the value that was was being operative in my life that connected with him is the priesthood of all believers. Are we creating an atmosphere that allows for the priesthood of all believers? Most of us don't know who we are. Most of us struggle with one thing or another. And Wimber was known, for example, to take you on a missions trip to a foreign country. And he you're all sitting on the platform of the front row. And we're getting ready. The worship's winding, winding down. And Wimber's going to speak. And he'd elbow you. And he'd say, Gary, you're on tonight. It wasn't like on tonight for testimony. You were on for the whole thing. He didn't want you to have a long preparation time. He wanted you to be instant. Remember that thing of instant in season and out of season, season? So he would put you, I used to call that the pressure of the predicament that causes the power. Right. Would it, 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 you have to trust God. You've got to lean on God big time. Yeah, yeah. Or you're going to fail. Yeah, you're so, gonna look like an idiot. Well, late. you look like an idiot anyway. <laughs> but it but it wasn't wasn't the sermon that they were looking for. It was for who you are. Mm-hmm. And this is back to intimacy with God, being filled with him and letting the overflow, the spill mm-hmm. of the spirit right. would, would would affect the meeting, affect the gathering. And that was a big one for me too. Um, not just just equipping a ministry team. So they'd all stand up there and they <laughs> they had badges and i remember going to a meeting that if if you're trained on the ministry you had a badge and whatever postal color the color of the postal dot to the side of your name determined whether you were equipped to pray for someone of the opposite sex or you were equipped to pray for, for someone yeah i mean this is like this is like performance at a really pathetic view so what we would do <coughs> with Wimber's modeling, how many, you know, give maybe give words of knowledge and have people stand in the room and then say, "Okay, if they're next to someone, put your hands on them and speak healing to them." How are you? We used to this is a good cliché. The mentoring of the of the meeting turns into the message of the meeting. Mm-hmm. The meeting is the mentoring place for the actual expression of what's going to happen during your week so that the, the gathering time was to equip you for life. I wonder how many sermon series we do that are very popular, very pertinent. Mm-hmm. It's like, <laughs> like someone, I'm going to do a series of sermons on how Jesus paid his taxes. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of scary. You well, know, he went fishing. I mean, so we try to pull all of these illustrations in a modern way Jesus gave the message of the kingdom, and he gave the power of the kingdom, but he taught people to do that. He sent them out, and they came back rejoicing. Mm-hmm. Even the demons are subject to our name.
0: He took a risk. He entrusted, he entrusted people to say, here's, here's the message. Go and and you know, don't take anything with you. Right. Go to the, gave them a few simple instructions. And they had to walk it out, and they came back with glorious reports because they were they were encountering God working through them. Right. And, uh, you know, we, we've talked about this, you know, that we, we feel we over-educate people. You've got to take all these classes. And the training is great, but the best training I ever got was just going and doing. You know, learn as you go. and Because uh, you, you're more desperate to learn. When you're in the middle of something, you're like, you're hungry. Yeah. You know, I remember one preacher gave this example of, you know, how many times have we heard this? You get on a plane— the person's up there with the seatbelt. The, the mass is going to come down. You know the the exits are to the left and right. No one pays attention. You've right. heard it so many times that plane's going down. You're looking for the. You're looking for that, guy that right runs, man. Right. You're, you're desperate because I need to know now. And so, we, training people in the process. Okay. Equipping people, giving them permission in in the moment.
1: When I started ministering in Asia about 40 years ago, I bumped into the reality of of how they over honored. I thought the Western pastor. Mm-hmm. And it was hard for me. Well, you could have people stand for healing. They stood all day, made a cue out the door. Yep.
0: And only you could pray for them.
1: Exactly. So I, I played a trick on this one conference. I said, everybody under 25, please stand. Well, there's a pretty big crowd. So the under 25ers stood. I asked them to come forward. Well, they thought they are going to get prayed for and empowered. And I put them in a long, kind of a horizontal line. And then I just said a simple prayer, you're anointed to do ministry in the name of Jesus. And then I said, everybody else who needs prayer or healing or experience, come forward and have the ministry team, who is now shaking in their boots, lay hands on you. Right, right. And I remember on more than one occasion somebody would come up for prayer and somebody would come up for prayer and I'd grab that hand and put it onto my hand and top of my hand. I used to use that as an illustration all over the world. Yeah. Put your hand up. Is your hand like mine? Or is this an American hand? Right. Is this a yeah. is this an Asian hand? You've got this, the same Holy Spirit. Same ho- Yeah. <laughs> so either we believe that, and I'm gonna be very candid. If we believe in empowering the believer. By, by creating an atmosphere where they can function as the body of Christ rather than just a crowd to support your sermon, you're getting what you asked for. Yeah, yeah, You're getting what you modeled. You're getting what you trained. Right. Uh, I've taught more Bible colleges than I've gone to. I don't have a problem with training, equipping in the classroom but i love the fact that many times i was given the practice of the practicum after the, the preaching yeah so yeah. we want to get doing the kingdom with friends right is a great goal in my life
0: and having leaders who are committed to training and equipping their people to do the work of the ministry exactly and being willing to get out of the way i mean that young guy coming up he may preach better than you that should be something you celebrate
1: right right
0: well, thanks for listening. Hope this has been helpful. Check out our website, permissions, permissionministries.com. Got all kinds of goodies on there. Uh, we also have uh, some mentoring programs you may be interested in. So just find that there. Email us, text us. We'd love to talk to you. God bless.